Good morning. Welcome to All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church. Unlike many other faith traditions, this is an intentionally diverse community in which we affirm that people don't have to think alike in order to love alike. This church welcomes everyone who cares to worship with us, whatever your theology, whatever your political persuasions, whatever your age, race, gender, origin, orientation, background, or ability, and we welcome questions about the great issues of life. We found that diversity of belief and opinion can actually deepen the experience of community, and it does not inhibit our ability to walk together in reverence, in commitment, and in compassion. To this end, we endeavor to treat one another respectfully, even those with different opinions and beliefs. This is our challenge. This is our covenant. And it is our responsibility to encourage one another to live in that covenant. We are a democratic community in which all members have an equal vote. And in accordance with that, um, I'd ask you to please note the, the uh, emergency congregational meeting that will be following the church service next Sunday. Um, we'll be discussing some significant things about the future of the church and hope you will please attend that if you are members. Um, the newcomer orientation session, which was originally, no, the newcomer information and orientation, which was initially scheduled for next Sunday, will be moved to March the 4th. Uh, today and tomorrow are your last chances to submit nominations for our Ralph Waldo Emerson Award for those who have, um, from the community, broader community, not this church, who have embodied the principles of liberal religion and the principles of Unitarian Universalism. If you're curious about what those are and aren't familiar with them, we have cards in the foyer that list them. Um, we'd be glad to answer any of your questions about this faith tradition, about this congregation, um, and how we do things. There are people in the foyer that are there for that purpose, and if you would like to speak with them after the service, they'd be glad to point you towards whatever information you're looking for. Um, this morning is an intergenerational service. We do this once every seven weeks or so. Um, the children in their, in their religious education classes, which usually meet during the worship time for all of us, uh, study one particular topic during the course of the year, uh, five different topics, I guess. The first one is Unitarian Universalist identity, then our Jewish and Christian heritage, then world religions, then peace, social justice, and the interdependent web, and then personal spiritual growth and development. This is the end of the world religions, what we call pillar, and today's service includes the children and stuff that they've learned from their classes. So kids, what is it that I always say at the end of announcements? Please turn off all, please turn off for silence, all 
Thank you. In case you didn't hear that, it was please turn off all electronic devices or silence them. We don't want a cell phone solo. And that was her script, not mine. So, Thank you, Eleanor. All right, that's right. We hope you'll enjoy the service. Mahatma Gandhi said that a friendly study of the world's religions is a sacred duty. In an earlier time, it was in this spirit that Ralph Waldo Emerson had studied the Bhagavad Gita, the sacred scriptures of the Hindus. It was in this spirit that Unitarians, seeing God as one and seeking dialogue and community with all of God's people, became a major organizing and participating force for the very first Parliament of World Religions in Chicago in 1893. It is in this spirit that we, as Unitarian Universalists, continue to derive wisdom from the world's religions which inspire us in our ethical and spiritual life. It is the third of our six sources that are also listed on the little card that Barbara was talking about. It is in this spirit that we teach our children the stories from many of the world's traditions, not to be that church with all the religions, but to bring a greater richness to the teaching of our own principles and values. Do we have any pre-K or K-1 kids here this morning? Connor? <laughs> would you come, Robin, too? Maybe Caroline could help us, too. And Anybody else that would like to come and help lead the chalice lighting? Come on, we'll get some second through fifth graders to help. Some of our pre-K and K-1, there you go, you got it. All right, now blow it out. Awesome. All right, let's go out here where we can show them how to do the, how to do the motions. Yeah, we light this chalice to celebrate Unitarian Universalism. This is the church of the open mind. This is the church of the helping hands. This is the church of the loving heart. Thank you all so much. This is, we're taking um, a few things from the Sufis today. And this is a story called The Dogs That Bark Within. We did this a few years ago with Keegan, <laughs> with Debbie Stilley's dog. And, uh, and then she happened to be here today, but the weekend's been so packed that, that I'm going to ask you to be the dogs instead. This is, this is the second story that we've told that requires barking dogs, so I know that you're good at it. Now, we have big dogs that roar. What would they sound like? Awesome. We have middle-sized dogs that bark, you know. Oh, and then we have those little dogs. You know those little dogs? Oh! Excellent. Okay, now the trick is to wait for your cue. I love you, my grandchildren, my daughters and sons, my brothers and sisters. Come. Night has fallen and it is growing dark. Let us take a walk. Listen to all that barking. Do you know where it's coming from? Many of the people living along this road have guard dogs. 
A dog barking in one house starts the dog barking in the next house, and then the next, and then the next, and one after another, they bark at anyone who walks along the road, whether he is a good person or a bad person, a human being or a demon. They bark at every creature that passes by. People keep these dogs in their houses to guard them, but what do they really do? So many of them eat and make noise day and night. There is never a time when they are silent. There are so many kinds of dogs, and they make so many different noises. The big ones roar. The medium-sized ones bark. And the small ones shriek. Just like that. All dogs bark sometimes. It's the way they talk. But whether they're tiny or huge, mere puppies or old dogs, some of them bark so much they never let anyone rest. Now, what would you think would be a way to kind of train the dog out of it? Do you think, I wonder if you just spoil them, just always gave them everything they wanted when they barked. Is that the way? Do you think that might be the way? No, because what's going to happen? They're going to bark more. They got a good thing going. They will. They'll think barking is a wonderful thing to do. They're being rewarded for it. But what if you are cruel and what if you take their food away and what if you beat them to stop them from barking? Would that be a good idea? I don't think so either. That would be that would be just that would be mean. And, and how, how, what kind of dog would you end up with then, do you think? A well, a skinny one, that's true. A and what, but what else? A scary one, a mean one. That's right. Vicious one, yes. They often will bite strangers or even their owners, and they can be very unsafe with children. Dogs are creatures of God, and we share the world with them. But dogs need our help to know right from wrong. Notice that some of the dogs wait patiently in their yards, like Keegan, wait patiently in their yards and do not bark even when the other dogs carry on. So we can approach these dogs politely when we visit their owners, and they will welcome us with a friendly nuzzle. They will protect their owners in danger, but they will not attack us or our friends. My grandchildren, my children, my brothers and sisters, it's no great wonder that dog spark for every creation makes some kind of noise. And it's no great wonder that people keep dogs in their houses. The great wonder is that people also raise dogs within themselves. Just as people raise their barking guard dogs, they are raising dogs within their minds. Some of us will spoil them and give them everything they want, whether it's good for them or not been guilty of a little of that. As long as we keep feeding them, they will surround us, distract us, climb all over us, demanding all of our attention. They'll dig up the gardens we have planted, they'll bury things that are important to us, and they'll tear up our houses. Either they will never let us sleep or have any peace, or they will lie around sleeping every day if we don't wake up to walk them. But if you starve or chain or beat the dog of your mind, it may hurt you or hurt others. If by your cruelty you have not taught it trust and love, it will bite you. If you chain the dog and never give it freedom to run and play, it will bite anyone who approaches and eventually break free and hurt you and others. 
And if you starve the dog, it will scavenge on the ground for the nastiest things to eat. This dog will never give you peace. It will never let you do anything good. Such a dog is suspicious of everything and everyone who passes by. It is so suspicious that even while sleeping, it will suddenly wake up and bark. Trusting no one, it will fight and bite without caring whether its ears, nose, or eyes get injured. As long as you raise either of these dogs within yourself, they will always be barking or biting, and you will never know unity or harmony or peace. You will never know love, compassion, peace, or tranquility. These qualities will not grow within you. Do not trust the house of your heart and mind to the lazy, spoiled dog or to the cruel, mistreated dog. Neither dog can guard a house of wisdom and love. So what kinds of things would you think would bring about either one of these dogs inside of you? What kinds of things would you do or not do? Not pay attention to what, Andrew? So would you maybe take yourself out for a walk every now and then so that you're not just in your house seeing? So that might be, that's one way to walk the dogs of your mind. That's right. What? What? Read. You can read. That's a good way to train the dog of your mind. What else? Pet yourself. Pet yourself. <laughs> Be kind to yourself. Yeah. I mean, both of you said the same things. Yeah. Play, 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 play. Yes. Make time to play. Set boundaries is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Play Angry Birds. Okay. But do you want to be playing Angry Birds all the time when you're supposed to be doing your homework? No. Right. Angry Birds, when you're done with your homework, great for the dog of your mind. What? Train your dog well. Yes. Yes. Train the dog of your mind very well, and you will both be happier for it. Yes, Grant. <laughs> Eats food, yeah. And what kind of food? Healthy food. Food for thought. Very good. All right. So. Okay. Well, we're really not doing um, toss-up order of service, but Barbara just pointed out to me that we haven't done the unison affirmation yet. So I know you all have healthy dogs of your mind, so let's stand in body or spirit and say the unison affirmation. It's printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, seek knowledge and freedom, serve human need to the end that all souls grow into harmony with the sacred. Thus do we covenant with each other. We have a responsive reading. It's number 596. And this is from the Buddhist tradition.
Let us cultivate boundless goodwill. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none in anger or ill will wish another harm. Even as a mother watches over her child, so with boundless mind should one cherish all living beings, radiating friendliness over the whole world, above, below, and all around, without limit. Don't see Bela here. The Muslim poet Saadi has said, to worship God is nothing other than to serve the people. It does not need rosaries, prayer carpets, or robes. All people are members of the same body created from one essence. If fate brings suffering to one member, the others cannot stay at rest. Let us now receive our gifts to sustain this community of service. Would you join me now in the spirit of prayer? Great creative mystery, God of our many understandings and delightful eternal question, we gather in gratitude for this opportunity to be still and to be thankful, to feel our connection to you, to all beings, and to all life that comprises this holy creation. We recognize in the quiet of this space that we cannot help but be inspired by the world. All the prayers, chants, and songs of praise in all the languages of the many traditions of this world make perfect sense when we consider the majesty of the trees, the power of rivers, the vastness of oceans and deserts, the precious cry of a healthy newborn, the laughter of children, the beauty of welcome in each other's faces, the calm and peace of this precious moment. We ask to hold this peace, this calm, this gratitude and praise when it is not so easy. When we are hurt or angered by others, when we have forgotten to look for the light they carry that mirrors our own, when stress, illness, hardship, and fear, or even minor irritation would seem to threaten that peace that is ours to hold. Help us to come back, to hold this time and this place, to remember that this peace at the center is always there for us as we enter the silence. Just departing a little bit from our usual routine because we're going to have some action going on here in a minute. We're going to change the order of the program a little bit. The, the uh, second through fifth grade will do their, their story for you, their play, after, um, after this message. It sounds like TV. I'm sorry. Um, in the study of world religions, we do learn many stories from many traditions that teach lessons that reinforce and resonate with our own principles. For those new to our tradition and those not so new for whom a reminder never hurts, we Unitarian Universalists are the spiritual heirs of two heresies of the early Christian church. Yes, I said heresies. Violations of established orthodoxies for which our forebears could not find scriptural evidence. They read their Bibles. They couldn't find evidence 
for a trinity. So there is the um, doctrine of Unitarianism, that God is one. And universalism, the idea that all are saved, that none can be separated from the love of God or from the divine, from the holy, from wholeness. That the only hell there is are the ones that we can sometimes make for ourselves on earth. We're probably one of the few faith traditions that teach our kids the word heretic in a really positive light. Um, (laughs) We appreciate that its root comes from the Greek, hereticos, which means to choose, choice. So our drawing on the wisdom of world religions is not intended to provide a religious smorgasbord. It's a product of the natural spiritual evolution of our living tradition from those two bedrock ideas, that God is one, the unity of God, and that all are saved. Ralph Waldo Emerson was our first real inspiration to seek wisdom in an eastern direction. His idea of the oversoul, that direct connection of human souls to each other and to the divine, was heavily influenced by his reading of the Bhagavad Gita. And the Parliament of World Religions was a part of the Columbia Exposition um, in 1893 in Chicago. Over 27 million people attended that exposition. Um, And the Parliament of World Religions was a part of that, and there were thousands of people that attended that. And Unitarians and Universalists were heavily involved in the planning and hosting of that. The Reverend Jenkins Lloyd-Jones was executive secretary of the event, He was a driving force on the planning committee. Julia Ward Howe, whom you may know better as the founder of Mother's Day, as a Mother's Day for Peace, and also she wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. She was one of the speakers, so was Unitarian Minister, the Reverend Ida Holton. Um, The Free Religious Association, which was a Western Confederation of Unitarian Congregations, was supposedly one of the prime, one of the sponsors, and some sources say it was the prime sponsor, but I think it was at least a co-sponsor of the event. The Parliament was noted for many firsts, most significantly the guest appearance of Swami Vivekananda. He was a renowned Hindu teacher, and one of the many things that he did was to introduce yoga to this continent. So every time you do downward facing dog or the plow or whatever, you can thank Swami Vivekananda. Um, And in his talk, he wrote, I mean, he said to that gathering, sectarianism, bigotry, and its horrible descendant fanaticism have long possessed this beautiful earth. This is in 1893. They have filled the earth with violence, drenched it often and often with human blood, destroyed civilization, and sent whole nations to despair. Had it not been for these horrible demons, human society would be far more advanced than it is now. But their time has come, and I fervently hope that the bell that tolled this morning in honor of this convention may be the death knell of all fanaticism, of all persecutions with the sword or with the pen, and of all uncharitable feelings between persons wending their way to the same goal. Now, we might be a little discouraged hearing that that was said in 1893, but we, there has been progress. It's, it's also a little bit spookily ironic that he spoke on September 11th, 1893. But while its timeliness may be discouraging, it's also just one of many compelling reasons to study and know and teach our children about the great ideas of the world's religions. You may have noticed the bulletin board in the hall 
where you can read each tradition's version of what we call the golden rule. The simple, profound idea that we treat others the way we would want to be treated. We've learned that many things that are important to us are also important to those of other faiths. Prayer, meditation, learning, disciplining our minds, training the dogs of our mind, and perhaps most notably, service to others. Giving, working for justice, helping others to stand on their own two feet. Our second through fifth graders who are going to present um, a story about the importance of giving in just a few minutes had a service project as part of their curriculum. They sold cookies. If you were here, you know they were delicious a couple of weeks back. They raised, um, I believe, about $159, $160, something like that, and decided that half of it would go to the erosion project to serve close to home, and half of it will go to the heifer project. They're going to buy a pig for a village, Um, so they did a really good job. 